Hey everybody, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Today is uh, season one, episode 11 of the Surf and Sales podcast. I am joined here again with my good friend and partner in crime, Mr. Scott Lee. Uh, Scott's a little bit under the weather for this episode, so you may hear him sort of muting in and out, but he will definitely participate. Uh, and then we're also really excited um, to, to have Jack with us. We have Jack Kosakowski from the Creation Agency, also skillslab.io. He'll explain what those are. Uh, Jack's definitely, you know, it, it's the one place where I can say, uh, you know, someone's the grandfather of social selling. Um, and they, you know, even though he's not physically older than me, at least emotionally, I think so. Um, he's been doing it so, <laughs> so Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, that's Jack. So I think, you know, normally we, we want you to take, you know, 30 seconds to give some context of what is Creation Agency, what do you guys do, uh, not so much to plug it, but just, just so that people have context of your frame of reference. So can you tell us a little bit about Creation Agency so they understand? Yeah, so we're a global um, demand generation marketing agency, and um, we work with, you know, some of the fastest you know, companies, the tech companies that are out there, um, of course, that uh, .ai, to name one. Um, Exvoyant, uh, the list goes on, Lead IQ. We work with a lot of these guys to help them kind of scale um, their demand generation programs, their social visibility. And so we kind of fit in as part of like their team. I call it your marketing team as a service. Uh, but we do work with other, you know, enterprise companies, Google, we have Google, IBM, um, we work with you know, small to large. Really our um, whole objective is to innovate the way that people do marketing and sales. Um, and to kind of give them the structure around that. And then some of them we implement that from, and then some we just consult with. So it kind of depends. And then Skills Lab is just the subset media company of that. Yeah, well, let's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna change the agenda, um, but since you brought it up, it makes it feels like a good piece, which is, what do you, so what is the dynamic between sales and marketing, right? We're into a new decade, right? Um, depending on whether you believe, you know, which number it falls under, but, What's shifting? What's changing? Are they getting along better? Are they still hating each other? Um, what's that look like from your perspective? I think it's getting, I mean, from a marketing agency perspective, where we actually get the luxury of working with both sides a lot of times, um, because, you know, our job is to not, you know, we're hired usually to get you MQLs. And then, um, you know, the sales team comes over and goes, well, you, you're getting us MQLs. How do we turn these to SQLs, right? So we kind of get to sit in the middle a lot of times, and I would say that it's getting better and better because sales is starting to really respect marketing and they're really coming to marketing and saying, hey, how do I market myself? How do I get better at using marketing as a prospecting technique, right? Because we always laugh about this, right? What's the difference between lead generation and prospecting? I mean, they're the same thing, right? I mean, we're both trying to drum up um, some demand and one's just coming from sales, one's coming from marketing. We're both kind of doing the same you know, tactics, right? So yep. I think sales and marketing are kind of coming to a place where sales actually respects marketing, where I don't think they used to. But I think this day and age, you're seeing that with a lot, especially the younger tech companies. But, but is marketing respecting sales yet? Like that's, you know, I know, I know Scott's going to ask this yeah, question, yeah. wants to ask this question. You know, is marketing respecting sales a little bit more? I think so. I think, I think they don't have a choice anymore, right? I think, I think marketing needs sales now. Wait, what were they jealous about though? Why was marketing <laughs> jealous? I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like I'm seeing a, a crazy shift. Like I don't see, I see the, them starting to blend because they don't have any other, uh, they don't have enough, they don't have any option, right? I mean, a marketing director, a CMO needs a VP of sales and we're going to get into this, but 
you know, let's say we want to drive more leads and more uh, demand to a, to a webinar, right? Just use that as an example. Just doing it from the brand channels is not going to get you to where you need to be anymore, right? Like I need to go to a guy that's like Scott Lease and say, hey man, you know, you're our VP of sales. Can you share this out? And um, can you write a little blurb about why somebody should come sign up for this, right? Like as a marketing department, I'm starting to need sales more than I've need, than ever, right? I'm starting to need customer success in my team more than ever because the success is really coming from the person these days and not from the brand like it used to. And I, and I, I think that, that salespeople and in particular sales leaders now, uh, the skill set required is changing dramatically, right? You know, 10, 15 years ago when I first got started in sales, like I just had to be a salesperson. That's it. I just had to pick up the phone and smile and dial. Now, I think salespeople need to be marketers. I think they need to be account managers. I think they need to be customer success. And that spills over into their, you know, personal brand or their LinkedIn profile, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. So I think, I think salespeople have had to pick up some of these skill sets from marketers and customer success folks. But my experience as an operator, you know, as recently as three months ago is the, from the marketing side, like they've been slower to pick up sales skill sets. So salespeople have swung way this way to me, my opinion, and marketing people are swinging towards sales a little bit, but it's just been a little bit slower. But I think everybody's going to have to really kind of round it, round it all out. And it's one of the reasons why I think that conversation around, you know, should marketing have a number, right? Not, not an MQL number, not, not an SQL number. Like, should we have the same number, the revenue number, right? Like me and the VP of marketing at my company, should we just both be responsible for one number? So I'm curious, I'm curious your take on, on that. Is, is marketing ready to, to sign up for, you know, a revenue, a revenue number? And if not, are we, are we heading that direction? I mean, I think, um, you know, for my observation is yes, they're, they've always been held by a revenue number because, or they should have always been held by a revenue number. It's just not been called revenue because if you, if you understand the dynamics of math when it comes to being a CMO, right, you know that you have to get a certain amount of pipeline built, right? And it has to go through a certain, a certain amount of pipeline has to go through a certain amount of stages from a marketing revenue standpoint. I think the problem is that the tracking has not been there to be able to give and support marketing with those numbers to be able to go to the CEO and say, here's what, here's what we attributed to in revenue, right? Now you've got platforms like HubSpot, you've got platforms like Marketo that are getting more intuitive and they're getting smarter to be able to give marketing a revenue number. But I think, to your point, I think marketing has always been held to a number. I think the technology just hasn't been caught up enough to be able to attribute that number to sales, if that makes sense. But yeah, I agree, I'm agreeing but, and disagreeing with you at the same time, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but there, all, there also used to be a time where sales was just done on a phone book and a sheet of paper. So, you know, yeah. so don't, don't yeah, give me... Yeah. Don't, don't tell me that there, th we need technology for marketing to assume a number. That's kind of uncool. No, but to track attribution with all the things that are happening in marketing, I think that's where salespeople and you know, me in the blind before I started running a marketing agency, I was a regional sales manager, right? So right. I, was, I was on the other side of this. And when I came into it now and, and running an agency where we have to be held accountable to, to our clients, they want to say, how much revenue did you get from those MQLs and for those leads? The hardest part is attribution, right? Is we can go do a LinkedIn post and we can go do this and we can go help here and we can do this, we can run this ad. But the problem is 
can the technology give us the credit due for that? But, but devil's advocate here, like, but wouldn't it just be simplified if it was, if, if I'm the VP of sales and, and you're the VP of marketing, Jack, and Richard's the CEO, if the only fucking number that mattered was the revenue number, who cares about the credit, right? You're, you're, you're driving MQLs and SQLs and doing all these things. I'm on the phone. I'm sending emails. We're both making LinkedIn posts. Like, who cares who gets the credit? Like, the credit is we close the deal, right? And I think, I think, I think people, you know, and I, and I think this kind of moves into the next segment, which is like, you're, you're in my role, and I've got like a 15 to 18-month average tenure if you're a VP of sales, right? I've been fortunate enough in, in, in my life to double that repeatedly. Right. So I, I tend to stay at places two and a half, three years and walk away when the time is right for me kind of proactively. But that is that is brutal. Right. Like I, you might as well be like a, a pro football coach. Right. Boom. One and done. You need a Cleveland Browns like you're fired. Six and ten. One year. Boom. Gone. Right. And now even VP of marketing, I'm starting to hear that tenure is dropping a little bit. And so I think that's where some of the. The, the, the bitterness or the Larry Davidness, if you will in sales folks like starts to come out is like, dude, you, you got an MQL number. Yeah. But like, if you don't hit the MQL number, are you on the street tomorrow? Because if I don't I hit the revenue number, I'm on the street. Right. I think it's easy to celebrate when you hit your number, both sides can celebrate. Right. But I think the, the, the part that comes in and I see this inside of organizations that we work with, right. We come in early or we come in when they're struggling is sales is going, you're the problem and marketing is going, you're the problem and there's no tracking to be able to really solve who's the actual problem, right? So I think this is where my point of view comes in is like, most companies don't have marketing attribution um, set up. So like when they see, when they have a $2 million budget, nobody knows really what happened with that $2 million budget, right? Like where did, where did that money go? How did, how did that um, help? You spent the money, but what came back? Yeah. yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of companies suck at tracking, and I'll tell you, there's multi-million dollar funded companies that we work with where I'm like, you guys don't know anything about what's going on. You have no tracking set up, and so that's an easy way for sales and marketing to yell at each other because neither side can back up their argument. So, but sales still has a number, right? No. So I don't I don't think we've convinced them, Scott. <laughs> this may be the mission of surf and sales is to make sure marketing starts getting you know well i think this is where, I, I think what we do what what we do agree on though is that the the roles are evolving and yes. everybody has is starting to have to collaborate with each other a lot more and the, the alignment is um is being forced in a way even if even if each party is kind of been reluctant to it right so you know, for the sake of argument here, if Jack and I were totally on opposite sides, right? Like this is, that's not going to work much longer. I think, you know, you, you'll, your company will just be in shambles, right? I mean, you're going to, right. I think, right. you know what I think is cool about what's happening right now is I see so many salespeople getting excited about marketing, right? Where, I mean, that's scary and not, you know, that could be scary for a VP of sales too, right? Cause we know that if they're just spending all their time doing marketing activities and you know, I've seen it happen in many organizations. Then let's, let's turn into marketers, right? <laughs> they don't, then they're not hit their number, but yeah, they're excited about it. Yeah, let's talk about that because I, I also feel like that overlaps with sort of our next topic, which was around this personal brand, right? Creating this personal brand um, at the individual level. Um, which Jack did really well early on. Yeah, um, and still does, right? So, but, but 
talk to us about that. Is that, is that what you mean when you see salespeople getting exciting about marketing or is it something different? And, and let's talk about personal brand and where do people even start with that? You know, I used to look at, um, you know, this is how I built my career, right? Like, so, I mean, running an agency and building over a one, you know, $1.3 million book of business, like taking this over on my own, right? All this is through relationships of my personal branding. Like I'm not just sitting here with you guys and saying anything that, that I don't have a ton of results behind. I mean, it comes down to the, the, the amount of connections that you can scale in 2020 using technology and using these social platforms is insane, right? I mean, like, you know, Scott, you talk about this all the time. Like, you have 30,000 connections and, you know, it's like you want to get more and they're, they're like cutting you off, right? Like, yeah. we're, at a, we're at a point where, like, people, these platforms are cutting people off from getting even more connected, right? Like, that's yeah. a beautiful time. And as salespeople, I mean, I think we've, I've always said this in my sales career is like, if I have enough sales conversations, no matter how I get them, I will hit my quota, right? Like, just give me enough people to talk to and I'll sift through all the crap and I'll get to the gold, right? I mean, it, it, you know, it comes to a numbers game. And I think salespeople at this point is like, they're in their heads on the pavement going, nobody wants to talk to me because, you know, you're not, they're calling those people they're not connected to. And the whole shift now is like, now you get connected to people and then you call them, right? Like connection first and then the call connection first and then the ask. And before, we're, you know, a lot of these salespeople that are struggling, they're doing the opposite. You always ask them, it's like, they're doing the opposite first. They're asking for something before they're connected to people. The ones you're seeing that are having a lot of success, and this comes with socialists, they're connected to people before they're asking for anything, right? Yeah. So, so where do you start, right? I don't care if you're, you know, I'm not even talking about sort of the, the out of college kid who's, who's a BDR, SDR in a sales world. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're 30 something or 40 something and you've never really paid attention right um i think i think we both know jay jensen right yep. and he I, I i think he's one of these people where all of a sudden he just started posting stuff right like he didn't care about what it looked like he didn't he's entertaining as hell man grammar, entertaining. <laughs> right? quality content rises to the top all the time right so what advice do you give to people just to get started I mean, I think you start to just, you, you know, you put up your profile and like, I don't want to sound like a broken record, right? But you, you, know, you optimize your profile, you do all that, but you just start to, to engage, right? Like, I think, you, you know, most people try to be the thought leader in the beginning and then they just fizzle out because they figure out, oh, I posted five times to the video, nobody liked it. Uh, this doesn't work, right? And so I think that you got to have the opposite. You got to start the opposite way. You got to start by just going in and consuming and engaging with other people that are creators, right? And, and start to, to understand um, how people talk. Cause there's like a different way of conversation that happens on social media, right? Like people don't get that. You, you have to position your copy differently. You have to, you, know, you have to shorten the way you say something in less words. I've always said that's one of the best things ever yeah. happened in sales was to have to write copy on LinkedIn and Twitter because yeah. I actually quit saying, I started to say a lot, a lot more, with less letters, right? And that's when I started to get more effective. But just start to engage with guys that are writing posts, your clients that are writing posts, your prospects, and just start to understand how it kind of works and make engagement a, a, a habit first. And then start to worry about, you know, prove out that you've got the habit of, of actually engaging and getting into conversation, moving conversations offline, and then start to create your own content after you've kind of figured that part out. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Don't become a creator until you understand how to engage in the platform and have conversation first. And you'll get ideas from other people, right? You'll get, it'll, it'll spark ideas. You, you know, you don't need to sit there. Scott and I have this discussion all the time. I was like, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Sometimes I just need to go and read some other people's thoughts 
and it sparks an idea for me to, to springboard off of theirs. And, and of course, I certainly want to attribute credit to that person. Like, oh, I just read so-and-so's post. But, you know. I, I think people also feel compelled to produce stuff every single day. Like, I, you know, I, I can feel some of the pressure of that. But, you know, if I'm not inspired to write something, like, I don't fucking write anything, you know. Because yep. it, just, it just not, it just... I'm just not that way. Like I can't say, okay, every day at two o'clock, I'm going to write something. I'm going to produce something. Right. And it's like, dude, I don't have a team of 40 content creators like Gary V. Okay. Yep. To produce a hundred pieces of content every single day and flood the market. Right. Yep. And, and I, I don't and, think you need to, I, I think people, I, I think there are, I'll say this. I think there's people that are over creating right now and it actually is hurting their brands. I, I do. I believe that. I think, you know, Gary V's different. The guy like, you know, he's just really smart, first of all. Like, that's what a lot of people don't give him credit for. It's like, he's, most people don't have the intelligence that he has to even be able to create as much content as he does in the first place. The guy's just really smart. And then he's got what you said, a team of 40. But the average everyday person, like, you shouldn't create anything unless you've engaged long enough on the platform to know if it's actually got value or not. That's what you see a lot of the new people that come on LinkedIn. They're like, they start to write stuff. And you're like, how the hell, why would you write that, like, on, you're like regurgitating you know the same thing everybody else is saying it in a really uh, worse way it's because they haven't taken the time to go out and actually engage with content and see what's high quality and what's not and then make a decision as to what they post that yeah. makes sense what what other things you know we talk we always talk about linkedin here on surf and sales right um but you know i mean should salespeople be instagramming and sales leaders be instagramming stuff should they be under their personal brand or should it just be under the company brand like where do you see that sort of coming in these days, right? Um, or is it just you know, sort of right now, it's still so wild, wild west, you just got to put it out there and see what happens. It is. I think, you know, you have to have a passion for it too. I think that's the thing is like, don't just be on these social channels to be on them. I mean, what I'm saying is like, don't think you're just going to, you have to go start creating and taking time from the revenue needle things, right? The needle moving things. Like if you're in sales and you're not good on video, don't start creating videos, right? Like if you're not hitting quota, don't, don't start creating videos. Do not do anything but try to hit quota first, right? That's your, that's your job what you're getting paid for. I think the cre there's a lot of salespeople that, you know, I see it all the time, they lose their jobs, right? Because they start to create content and I'm gonna become a thought leader and they end up freaking losing their jobs, right? Because they don't do their job. So your job first, the rest of it second, stay where your buyers are and don't get caught up in shiny tools. That's my, my only advice I can give. Um, I know we, we're going to be short on time, but let, let's back up. Let's go back to Jack, right? Because you're, you're sort of seen in this marketing world and thought leader world there and social social selling world and all those things. But where did Jack start? What was Jack's first sales job? Like, what did you, you know, were you selling, cut, you know, Cutco knives? What were you doing? Actually, my first sales job was when I was 16. My grandfather was a direct sales. He made millions from direct sales. And uh, he sold pots and pans, MasterGuard. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but literally... You sell pots and pans in your home. And then he went to selling heat and smoke detectors in people's homes. So he'd drive down the gravel road, knock on your door and show you a demo. We're talking about like a true old traveling salesman, like 100%. in his wagon driving across the Midwest and stuff? 100%. My grandfather was actually friends with Zig Ziglar. Like I have a picture in my office right now of like Zig Ziglar, my grandfather. Like that was like- Awesome. Like, same, like close to the same age. Anyways, so my grandfather actually made me try to pitch um, a heat and smoke detector in some um, somebody's house when I was 16, and I said, "This isn't like this isn't the life for me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> so, I said, so I went to college, 
And I said, like, this is, I'm like, I cannot knock doors and try to get people to, like, buy heat and smoke. I mean, I put a $2,000 heat and smoke detector, right, on, like, a Thursday night while they're eating spaghetti at home. Um, <laughs> so then I went to college, and then um, I actually worked in hospitality and restaurant management. Then I, my first sales job was selling pay-per-click before uh, PPC, like Google PPC, before anybody knew who it was. So we were um, cold calling. And then, um, oh, man, I've done so. I, I did, I was an online assistant director of admissions for an online school where I was trying to slang cold call a uh, master's degree for nursing. And then uh, I worked at a company called Interlake Mechalux selling pallet rack direct sales. So that was fun. So how, how, how would you say that your choices in companies evolved, right? Because there's, there's some, there's sounds to me like there's some well, companies that you worked for then that you might not work for now if you were starting over knowing what you know now, right? Luck. I mean, everything was luck, right? Evolution of luck. And I think um, my first SaaS job was at Acton Software. I was a regional sales manager and, um, you know, sold there for three and a half years. And I learned more there than I've learned. I mean, I learned a ton there, right? Like it was amazing. And I learned the tech world. And that's how I got into the social selling thing. Cause I told my VP of sales at the time, I said, I'm not cold calling. Like listen to the floor right now. Like you guys are all begging people for business. And I said, I'm like, I don't want to go that strategy. There's like, there's gotta be a better way. He said, all right, what's your way? And I said, I'm going to use LinkedIn and Twitter and I'm going to try to set appointments. It's like, okay, you have one quarter to do this. You have one quarter to try it your way. If you miss it, you're going to follow all the same KPIs. So I made it a mission. I worked 12, 14 hours a day using LinkedIn. <laughs> and, I hit, and I hit my quota. I crushed it the first quarter. And he didn't know what to do because he was like, oh my God, there's no way in hell you, you were going to do that. How, what do we do yeah. now? Because I can't tell these other guys that they can be on social media. So they tried to hold me back and I said, nope, give me one more quarter. They raised my quota and I hit it again and I went to President's Club and people are just dumbfounded by it. Um, and then I got into a fight. It literally got to a fight, right? Like we're, they were like, the marketing team was like, you're getting more engagement on social media than our whole brand. And then they were getting pissed and they pushed me out, right? And this is how I ended up in a running a marketing agency <laughs> <laughs> that I did not know that that I wish we'd have started there because that's yeah. fascinating well it's, I mean the LinkedIn company pages are kind of dead you know yeah. what I mean it's so many of us have more engagement than uh than company yeah, and no offense to act on but they had the worst marketing team I've ever seen in my entire right. life right I know we're tight on time um so you know we we always sort of end it you know, very differently, we think, than a lot of other podcasts, right? We, we appreciate your time and your energy, and, you know, we, we've known you for a while. What can we do for Jack, right? How can we help Jack? How can we help Creation Agency uh, Skills Lab? Like, what can we do for you? That's a great question, and I don't really have a good answer. Um, <laughs> we're fortunate right now, man. I'll tell you, we're blessed with uh, new business and, and growth right now and exciting things. So maybe you can just uh, drop a link and everybody can visit skillslab.io, um, share a good article. We put a lot of, we invest a lot of money into Skills Lab and it's, um, we, we don't get a lot out of it, right? It's mainly just education, so. What is it? Tell people what Skills Lab is, just so they understand. So Skills Lab is um, kind of the content hub of like actionable ways to do innovative marketing and sales that our team, our, our agency kind of comes up with. So we do a lot of, we test a lot of things and then we go in there and we write content about it. So. Then we also have courses and so forth. My courses, are, our courses are outdated though. So <laughs> save your money. <laughs> <laughs>
That's the most honest thing you can say. So <laughs> we'll like you for that alone. So anybody who's not following Jack uh, on Twitter or, or LinkedIn, which I've, I'm connected and following him on both, you really should. He's, you know, he's he's quite entertaining. So. He likes to bust people's balls. Yeah, he's quite entertaining. <laughs> Great having you on, Jack. Appreciate the time, man. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Jack. Uh, peace.